Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Being kind, compassionate to one another. What's that next word, everybody? Forgiving. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Would you do me a favor? Would you just hold your hands out like this? Would you bow your head and would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, God, I'm here today. today. I open my mind mind. and my heart. heart. Speak Holy Spirit Spirit. in Jesus' name. name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, everybody. Today we're concluding our series that we started about eight weeks ago on forgiveness. I hope it's meant as much to you as it's meant to me. If you haven't got one, I've I've said this every week, I've I've written a book on this. I could not say everything to you that I wanted to say, so I wrote a book. And uh, if you're watching online, you can actually order this book uh, from any place that you can normally buy books online from. If you just type in my name and forgiveness, it'll come up. <clears throat> but if you're here today, we want you to, I want to give you a copy as a gift to you. So on the way out, there is a table out there. You can take a copy. But if you, listen, if you have a family member you think this would help or a friend, then I want you to buy them a copy. It's $10. Uh, just get them a copy, and uh, I think it'll help them. We made it, we've talked about this for eight weeks. I hope that you're remembering it is that we said that forgiveness is not forgetting. If I could forget, I wouldn't need to forgive. And we said that, you know, something that may have happened five or ten years ago, that it happened to you, and you said, I forgive it. I forgive that person. But yet, you had the thought about it yesterday, and all of a sudden, you had those same feelings come up again, and you had to make a choice to forgive it again. Amen? So forgiveness is not a one-time shot, everybody. Amen, everybody? Don't you wish it was one and done? Two and through? Three and no more? Okay, let's stop right there. That's why Jesus said, hey, when you got to forgive people daily, it's like when one of his disciples said, hey, can I do it seven times? They said, no, how about 490 times a day? In other words, it's a lot of times. And we've said that forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is choosing to release the feelings of hurt, anger, and resentment. Amen, everybody? So what those, we release, those feelings are going to come. Every time you have the thought, they're going to come, but we don't hold on to them. We release them. Today, I want to tell you that something about me you may not know, but I hate snakes. I don't dislike them. I hate them. When I was probably about 10 years old, my brother was about five years old, and he got bit by a venomous snake. And uh, I remember going and seeing him. We lived in a small town at a little hospital he was in, and his little old leg was swollen up about that big around, and he had to stay in the hospital about a week because of that. And I just remember, you know, from that point on, I never had any, I mean, like, there's only two kinds of snakes to me. One that's alive, one that's dead. 
And I know some of you are like snake lovers here, and you say, oh, this one's a good one, this one. I don't know the difference. And I'm not friendly to them. The Bible says in the beginning that God put enmity between man and the serpent. I got a double portion. (laughs) I tell you that, that's so important because uh, today, this is the only kind of snake handling I will do. (laughs) Get it at Walmart. It's amazing to me how these little things slither around and you're working in your flower bed, you know, trying to take care of something, and all of a sudden a venomous snake can come out and bite you. And when that happens, that little thing bites you. It doesn't stay around to be a man up, say, I bit you, now what you going to do? No, it bites you, and then it takes off, slithering across the ground. And it just bit me. Oh, no, you bit me. I'm going to kill you. And so what we can tend to do is that because of our rage and wanting to get even with that snake and get, we can chase that snake all over the yard, but guess what? It's venom inside of us. The more that we chase the snake, the more venom is running through our bodies. And the more we keep chasing the snake, then all of a sudden we're losing energy, we're losing strength, and, and, and before you know it, we can't breathe well because we're chasing the snake. And so many times in our lives, When it comes to unforgiveness, when we hold on to unforgiveness and we hold on to those thoughts, it's like chasing that snake. It's that you're going to find that you can't move as freely as you like to move. It begins to restrict you. You can't breathe at times the way you would like to breathe because you're holding on and you're chasing the snake. And so today I want to tell you, stop chasing the snake. Amen, Amen, everybody. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you those words about stop chasing the snake. I'm going to say stop chasing the snake. And then I want you to say the words that we've been saying through this series, which is I choose forgiveness. Thank you. You already know. That's awesome. So let's try it. Stop chasing the snake. I forgiveness. Now listen, the first service, we had a wonderful first service, but I want you to know those people forgot about halfway through. So I want to see if you can stay with me. So today we're going into our text in Ephesians 4.31. And notice what the Bible says here uh, that we just read, but I love the translation that that I have on your outline, the New Century Version. It says this, do not be, let's say those three words, let's say them. Do not be, that means I have a choice, right? Do not be bitter or angry or what, everybody? So there's three separate things there. Never shout angrily, uh uh-oh, or say things that hurt others, uh uh-oh. Never do anything what, everybody? Evil. Woo. I've committed all three of those sins. How about you? Oh, you look and you get your little Thanksgiving smirk on today. Oh, no, 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 no. I know you. So today we're going to talk about how to stop chasing the snake of unforgiveness Stop chasing the snake. There you go. That's right. Three things to stop. Here we go. Number one is this, is stop being bitter. Stop being bitter. Not having bitter thoughts, but being bitter. Bitterness is storing up the feelings of resentment and anger towards someone else. Resentment 
is like high blood pressure and diabetes. We have been told they're the silent killer because you don't feel anything. It's happening. It's creeping up. When you hold on to bitterness, that's the same thing that's happening is that it's, it's killing you on the inside. It's killing you. You will never be you and you can never be the person that you want to be as long as you're holding on to unforgiveness. Because let me tell you something. You'll never be the parent you want to be. You'll never be the spouse you want to be. You'll never be the friend you want to be. You'll never be the child you want to be because that bitterness comes out on somebody. And usually it doesn't come out on the person that caused it. Amen, Amen everybody? Amen. All right. So stop being bitter. <clears throat> look what Acts 8 and 23. Peter said this to a person. Look what he says. For I see that you are full of what, everybody? Bitterness. Now look what happens. And what? So when you're full of bitterness, when you have that unforgiveness in your heart, guess what? You're a very easy prey for the devil. Very easy. He didn't have to do a whole lot to get you. You're, you're, you're like 50% already in. You're easy. You're easy. Now watch this. Many people today who are suffering from problems with addiction or health crisis or anxiety or depression, a lot of that is that the root cause of that is unforgiveness. I, I, I had a man that I talked with uh, they said, you know what? I said, I went to the hospital. He was sick. He said, years ago, I was sick. He said, I didn't know what was going on with him. He said, I went to the doctor and told him that I, I was just depressed. I didn't even want to live anymore. And he said, you know what? The doctor asked me, he said, who is it? Who is it that, you, that you've got unforgiveness against? You know what he said? He discovered it was his young wife. They just got married. And things weren't turning out the way he thought it was gonna, should turn out. And he had all this resentment built up. And he never got it out. And it almost killed him. And I just want to tell you today, stop chasing the snake. I choose, I choose forgiveness. That's right. Okay. Number two. The second thing we need to do is stop being angry. Stop being bitter and stop being. In other words, a choice, being angry. There's a difference between getting angry and being angry. Amen, everybody? We get angry when we feel, and, and let me tell you something, getting angry is natural. It's, we all experience that. Getting angry when something happens in our lives, we have these feelings that, that come to our mind. And, and listen, there, there's, there's some good godly anger. Jesus got mad and, and he turned over, or he didn't get mad, he got angry and turned over the tables of, of the people in the scripture, the tax collectors and so forth, the, the people that were there in the temple. He turned them over. He got angry, but he didn't sin. And that's what the scripture says. It says this in Ephesians 4, 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Let me tell you something. Rhonda and I have never went to bed angry at each other. We stayed up for five or six days at a time, but hey, we never... <laughs> Amen, everybody. Shoot, I knew that, that would be a lie if I told you that. You know, sometimes we went to bed so mad at each other, you could drive a semi-truck right between our bed, and you wouldn't hit either one of us. Don't touch me. You know, That's real right there, isn't it? Yeah. And do not give the devil what, everybody? A foothold. 
Being angry happens when you constantly are focusing on the wrong that someone has done to you. And if you keep focusing on how everybody's wronged you, you become an angry person. You become an angry person. So being angry, something happens, you know, you feel emotional about it and, and you know, you deal with it. You're in the control of your emotions. But when you, when you become angry, you're always thinking about everybody's done you wrong. And when you think about that constantly, it just makes you angry all the time. And, and you're walking around with a snarl on your face. <sighs> Just angry, you know? And then there's the next phase that it goes to that. So it goes from bitterness to anger. Then the next one is, oh, stop being mad. You say, well, I thought it was the same thing as angry. Oh, no. There's another level. Another devil. Another devil on that level. Let me tell you, what's the difference between angry and mad? Well, when you're angry, you have those feelings. But you're in control of your emotions. You know what I'm saying? You're not out of control. You're having these feelings. But when a person gets mad, just think of the word mad. Mad. Like a mad dog. Saliva coming all out of his mouth. He's barking and bite, trying to bite everybody. <laughs> bite you. That's what mad is. It's just a mad dog. Mad. And that's what, you ever met mad people? They're just mad. You know what mad people do? They shoot you. Well, how can, how can we have so many people shoot people on the interstate? I tell you, it's because they're mad. That mad means that I have no control over myself at all. I just do whatever feeling comes to my mind. I just do it. You're mad. Crazy. That's what it is. Crazy. Insanity when you're mad. Mad dog. <laughs> Reminded me years ago. Years ago in our church, when I was about 26, 27 years old, I started pastoring this church. I was going to win the whole community of Jesus. And I was in this uh, trailer court visiting this uh, family that had visited our church. And I was trying to tell them they need to come to church. And, you know, I'd go and visit at night. And this one, you know, I was trying to be extra nice to people. And this lady, I was in her little trailer there. And I went over to hug her, you know, and say, oh, now God bless you. Now, I'm going to see you in church Sunday now, right? And I leaned over to hug her, and all of a sudden, she had a little chihuahua. <laughs> Nothing like an angry chihuahua. I leaned over to hug her, and that thing, rah, right there. You ever had a hickey by a dog? <laughs> I've never had a hickey until that night. And when I went home and told Rhonda, a dog did this, I, she didn't know about that. No, a dog, really. A dog, really. No, no. A dog, really. Don't be mad, everybody. Amen? Stop being... Don't be mad. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. And don't be mad. Don't be mad. So, I have a next step for you. It's on this connection card. It says, I will be response-able. It means I can choose my response, everybody. Why don't you check that card because you're going to be around some family members this week at Thanksgiving. Woo, Jesus. You know, they're going to start. They're going to start. And you got a choice. Am I going to be bitter, angry, or mad? You're going to be none of the above because we're going to choose our response. Amen, everybody? That turkey's going to taste good this year. All right. Stop chasing the snake. Oh, boy, half of you are leaving me already. <laughs> Stop chasing the snake. Look at the next half of this verse. 
Be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you. Three things here to be. To be. If we're not going to be bitter, then we've got to be something else. And that is number one is be kind. Be kind. You know, every day you need to wake up and say, I am kind. That's who I am. I'm not just going to be kind. I am kind. That's who I am. Be kind. Colossians 3 and 12 says, you are the people of God. He loved you, chose you for his own. So then you must clothe yourself with compassion and what, everybody? Kindness, Kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. Can I, you, know, you know the starting point to kindness is a smile. Would you just show me those pearly whites where they're true or false right now? Come on. <laughs> smile. Smile. Do you know a, a smile is a facelift that everybody can afford? Do you know you look better when you're smiling? Adds face value, doesn't it? Mm-mm-mm. Matter of fact, Mother Teresa said that peace begins with a smile. You know that argument that you had on the way to church this morning? Now, don't look at them. I'll know I'm talking to you. The way you get over it is you start smiling. Smiling. When you're talking to people on the phone, that sometimes hard to talk. Why don't you try smiling, even when they can't see you? Look what it happens. Proverbs 15 and 30 says, "A friendly smile makes what? Makes you happy. Even though you're upset at them, you can smile. It makes you happy. Even if it doesn't make them happy, it makes you happy. Makes you happy. And good news makes you feel what? Everybody." You know, the next thing you can do if you want to be kind is, is say kind things to others. Say kind words. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 20, 12 and 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word does what, everybody? Cheers up. It cheers up. It just cheers people up. Be kind. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you at Thanksgiving this year. You're going to leave there and say, well, this was better this year because you're going to be kind. Proverbs 21, 21. What's those first two words, everybody? Be kind. Be kind and honest, and you will live what? A long life. That's right. You will live a long life. It's people that are arrogant and sarcastic all the time that don't live so long. <laughs> My dad used to say, son, your mom brought you in this world, but I sure can take you out. Be kind and honest with a long life, and others will respect you and treat you fairly. Amen, everybody. Amen. In other words, if you don't like what you're seeing, watch what you're saying. Watch what you're saying. What's coming out of your mouth? Number two is be loving. Be loving. I am loving. Be kind. I am kind. Be loving. I am loving. 1 John 3 and 18 says, My children, our love should not be just what, everybody? Words, words or talk and talk. It must be, what's those next two words? True love. True love. Which shows itself in what? In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is love, true love, does something. It doesn't just say something. 
every young man has told every young woman that he wants to be romantic with, <laughs> lie with in a biblical way. I love you. You only been out three weeks. I love you. <laughs> they don't love you. They lust for you. She's just not just teenagers, is it? Now it's just, hey, take me out for a Big Mac and popcorn and a movie and it's on. <laughs> this is real, everybody. True love is something you do, not just something you say. Look what Jesus said. This is a verse that I talk about a lot because it changed my life. I don't like it, but it changed me. Jesus said, love your enemies. What's those next two words? Do good to those who what, everybody? And notice what he said. Then watch this. Bless those who curse you. That means curse at you. It is someone, somebody's cussing you out. And he said, bless them. And all you can think about is the right hand of fellowship, isn't it? <laughs> Pray for those who mistreat you. What I want to tell you this is liking is all about feelings, everybody. In order to like someone, that means I got to feel good toward them. But Jesus didn't say you had to like anybody. That's how you can go to Thanksgiving this year. You don't have to like your brother-in-law, but you got to love them. That means I'm going to do good for you no matter how I feel. Amen, everybody? And so that means that's why the turkey can be better this year because you're going with a new spirit. It's that I don't like them. I'm probably never going to like them, but I'm going to love them. And I'm going to do good no matter how I feel. Amen, everybody? That's what it is. That's what it is. Stop chasing the snake. Number three, be forgiving. Be forgiving. Now, notice these are choices, everybody, that change your life. I am kind, I am loving, and I am forgiving. And if you'll just take those concepts that will change your life. Look what he says again, Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as what, everybody? Here's what I want to tell you. Forgiveness sets you free from the person who hurt you. Unforgiveness makes you a prisoner to that person. Because let me tell you something, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt somebody else. And some of the people that, you, that you, you're so angry at, they're dead and gone, but they're still controlling your life because you're holding on to it. And that's why I beg you, choose forgiveness. Choose forgiveness. Today, we have a special treat and honor today. A lady that I met about two years ago shared her story with me about forgiveness. And it, it, just, it just moved me in such a great way. I thought, you've got to hear it. And so I've invited my friend, Christina Coates, to come and share her story with you. Would you give her a hand as she comes, everybody? Good morning, everyone. So I'm going to read so I don't ramble with you this morning. It'll help me pace myself. 
During my childhood, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, in a two-parent home, yet I received support overall from one parent, which was my mother. My two older brothers and my maternal grandmother also resided in the same home. I was the youngest, I was the youngest child in the house. I saw my mom be physically and verbally abused starting as early as the age of four, maybe five years old, by the hands of my dad, and I witnessed my older siblings receiving the same abuse. My grandmother was the only person in the home who never endured any sort of abuse from my father. As a young child, when violence occurred in the home, I was always sent to my grandmother's room and I was told to close the door behind me. I assumed that her room was my safe place from harm, but being that I was always told to go in there and she was in there, it turned out that that was not the case. As a young child, when violence occurred, the, I'm sorry, when the abuse took place, my dad was always under the influence of alcohol. When he was sober, he never dem demonstrated abuse, but he also, he never demonstrated love, uh, I'm sorry, he never demonstrated loving or affectionate behaviors towards me, my mother, or my brothers. My childhood years passed rather quickly and soon my teenage years approached. By this time, I was the only child in the home. In my teenage years, I realized the older that I became, the less that I tolerated my dad's abusive behaviors. As many of you have probably read in Pastor Jeff's book on forgiveness, the age of 13 was the first time that I experienced physical abuse from my father. His abuse never happened for one particular reason. This particular day, my dad accused me of cursing on the phone and I knew that couldn't be the case because I never cursed, so I was somewhat confused by his accusation. My dad eventually came in my room and then next thing I knew, he punched me in the face and I fell to the floor. We were tussling between my dresser and my bed and in my room at that time, it was like a tight space so it wasn't much room to move around. Now at the age of 13, I was maybe 98 pounds standing five foot tall and my dad was 215 pounds standing six foot one. While the abuse took place, my grandmother was less than six feet away in her room with the door closed, but she didn't do anything to help me. She just stood in the doorway at some point and yelled for my mom. My mother came to help me as usual, and she told me to run to the next door neighbor's house. As I ran, I then realized that my grandmother was never bound to love or to protect me. She was only committed to protecting herself and by staying in her room, which I realized then was her safe place. A few years later, at the age of 16, I experienced several acts of abuse by my father. I had long hair growing up and sometimes my long hair became his go-to. He would drag me through the house by my hair if I said something in a conversation that he didn't like. And if I asked questions or asked to go out with friends, he would call me obscene names. I always questioned why because it was confusing to me because I wasn't asking for much from him, but for whatever reason, he felt the need to cause abuse. I grew exhausted from being used as a punching bag and living in fear, so at some point, I decided to sell all my belongings in my room and I left home. I had no place to go, but I felt like living on the streets would be safer than living in my home. A couple of weeks after leaving, my dad reported me missing to the police. I later found out that he told the family that he wanted me back home for my own safety. A couple of months later, I returned home, and of course, it was not a pleasant return. A few weeks after my return, I received the worst beating ever given by my dad.
This unexpected beating lasted for hours and nearly took my life. One Saturday morning, I was walking home, and as I stood at the edge of the street, I looked up at my house, and I saw my dad standing in the driveway waiting for me. I could have turned around, but for some reason at that point, I continued to walk towards the house. I barely got my feet in the front door, and that's when the nightmare began. I was thrown into cabinets, I was drugged across floors, and I was thrown into the walls, and as I scuffled to try to break loose, I eventually did, and I ran down the street. About 30 minutes later, he found me, and he forced his way into the neighbor's house, and he dragged me down the stairs and up the street. I was being abused in broad daylight while my neighbors watched and never saw fit to extend a helping hand or to call the police. He dragged me back into the house and the last part of the beating began. My dad took off the long leather belt that he used on us kids and he began to hit me with the belt and the buckle on the belt was so big that it's still imprinted in my mind today. He dragged me down the hallway which was a narrow tight space and he continued to beat me. I remember my body feeling numb and exhausted and I had no, left fight, no fight left in me by then and I needed my inhaler, but he wouldn't listen. I couldn't scream, I couldn't shout, and I couldn't break free and at some point, I just balled myself up in the fetal position and closed my eyes. I remember hearing an unfamiliar voice telling my dad, don't strike the child again. I opened my eyes and I saw black boots. The police officer lifted my wounded body from the floor and carried me to the living room. And for the first time, I remember being asked if I wanted to press charges. And without hesitation, I said yes. A few months later, I'm sorry, but to my, to my surprise, the beating wasn't the hardest thing to get over. The hardest part of this whole situation was trying to get over the fact that my grandmother sat in the house with her door closed, listening to me beg and plead for him to stop, but she never saw fit to try to help me or to call the police. So a few months later, I was mentally confused and I was spiritually and emotionally broken. My emotions quickly led to hate towards my family, my neighbors, and towards life. My mother shared the idea with me to attend job course to be able to change, have a change of scenery. And for the first time in a few months, I found that to be the best idea. In job corps, that was the pathway that I learned that was my way to finding forgiveness for everyone that, hurt, that had hurt me. I was, it was there that I realized that my life situation could have been much worse. I heard stories of kids in my age group who experienced life tragedies much worse than my own. During there, my time, my mother sent me tape recordings of herself offering inspirational talks. Faithfully, she ended each recording pleading for me to find forgiveness in order to set myself free. At that time, I had no clue what she meant. The seed of forgiveness began to sprout for me when I found out that I was pregnant with my oldest son. One thing I knew for certain was that I didn't want my unborn child to be subjected to the hate that flowed through my veins at that time. With time and prayer, I learned to forgive my dad, my family, and my neighbors. The most challenging part of this journey was finding a way to forgive my grandmother. In my early 30s, I managed to forgive her too. Late September of this year, my dad passed away, and 12 years before then, he found the need to give me an apology. 
It was a nice gesture, but by then he was already forgiven. I found relief in knowing that I had accepted the pain and I had moved on with my life. About 14 years ago, my dad had cancer and many years later he had a mild stroke and both times I was willing to care for him without hesitation. My grandmother had a couple of surgeries in the last two years and without hesitation, I cared for her as well. Overall, my biggest test was caring for a man who decided that he wanted to take my life just because he wanted to and to care for a woman who allowed him to do so. It was then that I realized I was truly delivered from hate. I never thought I would see the day come when I would be attending my dad's funeral and helping with his arrangements while keeping an open mind and a sense of peace. It was a total shocker to me and to so many others. The woman I am today reminds me that my life's journey may not have been easy, but there is nothing about my life that I would change. All the struggles and the suffering and living with hate helped me to see the world through a different lens, and that lens allowed me to become the woman that you see here with you today. And for that, I feel thankful and I feel blessed. I have shared my story with you today in faith believing it would help some of you choose forgiveness. Thank you. Amen. You can remain standing, everybody. It's real. There's many of you still that are here today that it's there and you need to let it go. And that's what I'm here to give you the opportunity to do. I don't know who it was. I don't know what they did. But I'm telling you today, if you would just ask God to help you to release it. If you would just take a step toward God, I believe that this Thanksgiving will be totally different. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.